Thank you for worshiping with New Grace in Roanoke, Virginia this morning. We are honored that you are tuning in and we believe that God is going to use this service in your life and the lives of many others. We are walking through a very difficult and trying time as a society. As a result of everything happening in our world today, how we gather as a church looks very different. We are all used to gathering together on our church campus, but for now, we will worship together through technology. Though this is a very different format, our desire as a church is still the same. Our desire is to worship Jesus and encourage the believer. As you watch this service today, whether by yourself or with your family, I want to encourage you to participate in this time of worship. As our team leads us, let us sing with passion. As we are led in prayer together, let's cry out to God in desperation. Pastor Sean teaches us from the Word as we sensitive to the Holy Spirit as He speaks. Also, be an encouragement to our worship team by participating. Comment that you are watching. Comment on things the Holy Spirit brings to your heart. Or post a picture of you and your family worshiping together on our Facebook page. Again, thank you for joining us today as we worship the Father. We pray you are blessed and encouraged from this service today.
Your generosity is making a difference all over the world. We're able to partner with missionaries globally to take the gospel to the ends of the earth because of your continued financial investment. So even though we're not all gathered together physically on this campus this week, I want to challenge you to continue to honor God with your resources by giving through new grace for the sake of the mission of God. There are multiple ways you can give. You can give online at reachingroanoke.com and clicking the donate button. You can also mail your gift to 1527 Guilford Avenue, Northwest, Roanoke, Virginia, 24017. You can also text your gift using your phone to 540-572-4654. We're going to continue our service now, and one thing we believe as we seek God in prayer, we experience God in power. So right now, Pastor Sean is going to lead us at a time of scripture-fed, spirit-led prayer. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says this, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you for your church. We thank you, God, for the fact that, Lord, this this building is not your church, because, Lord, once again, most of us are not here worshiping together with each other. We're we're at home, God. We're, we're separated from other believers besides our family. And so, God, that can be very discouraging. But, Lord, we're so grateful that this, this building is not the church. But, God, we, as your children, are the church. And, God, we're also grateful that it's, it's your church. It's not ours. It's not our church to, to build. It's not our church to promote. It's not our church to protect. God, this is your church that you promise you will build on the rock of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning, and God, we ask that you would just be very evident and very real and very powerful in our church. God, we, we are at a point in time now where the, the world is about to open up for us, and we're going to be able to worship together again. But God, more than that, we're going to be able to go out and, and share the gospel and spread the news about your church. And so God, I pray that you would help as we enter this new phase of our life as a church, that we would do everything we do built on the foundation of the truth of Jesus. God, as you say, let us lift you up and draw all men to you. So, God, I pray that you would protect your church. I pray that you would unify your church. I pray, God, that you would do a work in your church that cannot be explained by anything except God is doing a work through us. Lord, I pray now that as we get ready for the preaching time, that, Lord, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, even now, uh, Lord, people watching this are are watching by uh, technology. And, God, I pray that you would move through their, their TVs their smartphones, their tablets. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them. And God, I just pray and ask for you to do a work in their lives and a work in their hearts. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us listening, those to the believers. God, I pray that you would comfort us. I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a zeal to go out, God, and do the work for your church. But Lord, for those who are not saved, who are not your children, God, I pray that you would convict them of their need to be saved. Help them understand that, Lord, they they are lost and headed to an eternity, separated from you, unless they accept your gift of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the payment of their sins. God, speak to them today. 
pick their heart today, God. Pull them to you and draw them to you. And Lord, have them accept you as their Savior. God, I do pray that you would speak through me this morning. I pray that you would help me to say what needs to be said, what should be said. And Lord, help me not to say what I should not say. But God, help everything that's said and done bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray.
Eight weeks ago, life as we knew it went through a radical change. Life came to a a sudden and complete stop. Uh, Words that we have never used before have become part of our everyday vocabulary. Words like social distancing. We'd, we'd never used that word in conversation before. We'd never worried about distancing from other people before. And that's a, that's a word that everyone knows now and everyone's aware of now and everyone's using now. Words like the coronavirus. And I know the coronavirus itself has been around for a while. Uh, we're dealing with a different strain right now, but we, we didn't really talk about the coronavirus. Uh, words like an M95 mask. Uh, you know, we all had about, we all knew about dust masks that construction workers used and medical masks that, that doctors and nurses used, but none of us knew what an M95 mask was until now. Uh, things that we've never had to do before or had to worry about before are part of our everyday life. I, I have never before been asked when I entered a place of business to put on a mask or leave, but that's happened to me since the coronavirus pandemic has hit. That's, that's part of our regular life right now. And, and people, because of this change, we're, we're separated from each other. We're separated from our friends and our, our family who don't live with us. And, and we're, we're separated from work and things are different. And so people are looking for an escape. And one thing that people have, have found and one thing I've, I've run to a few times uh, as an escape was an ESPN documentary called The Last Dance. Uh, in this, this documentary, it tells the story of the Chicago Bulls' last championship run in 1997 to 1998. And, and in this documentary, uh, the coach, Phil Jackson, gives a powerful quote. He says, change is the most constant thing in life. And that's very true right now. We all feel that right now. The the changes that we have faced these last eight weeks, they're unsettling. And there's more change coming. Uh, Right now we are in phase one of reopening our state and reopening our church. Right now, this morning, as you are home watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, uh, there are other people who are meeting at the church and worshiping at the church, but it's different. There's, there's not a whole lot of us. A lot of you uh, won't, are, are too, still too worried about contamination and you've got health issues and you're not ready to come out, and that's fine. No, one, no one's blaming you for that, but a lot of us are ready to get back to worship and ready to get back to church. But even as we begin to reopen, how we do church is going to be different. It's going to change. And phase two is going to bring more change. And we don't even know when phase two is going to be. Phase two could be two weeks. It could be two months. But phase two is going to bring even more change to our culture and how we, look, how we worship. And we're looking at things as a church that we are going to have to change that we're used to doing. For instance, we're, we're no longer doing fellowship. Even when, when phase three is here, or five, I don't even know how many phases there are. But whenever the phases are finalized, we as a church have determined we're not going to do fellowship song anymore. We're not going to go around and shake people's hands just to, to keep people safe and to keep people comfortable. That's a, a change. We're looking at whether we should cancel VBS this summer. 
whether we're even going to be able to have it. And if we are able to have it, should we have it? Or is it still a little too soon after all this has gone on and people will be uncomfortable sending their kids to VBS? But in the middle of all this change that we are experiencing, there is one thing that we can have confidence in that will not change. Our God will never change. One aspect of his unchanging nature are the promises that he has made to his people in his word. And during this, this eight-week program, this eight-week time frame, we've, we've been looking at the unchanging promises that God has given to his children. And we, we've said for the last eight weeks that a, a promise from God is a guarantee from God to his people based on his unchanging relationship with them in Christ. See, the promises that God has given you in Scripture, they're not based on your performance. They're not based on your faith. They are based on his faithfulness to you. It's based on his faithfulness to our, in our position in Christ. And as, as followers of Jesus, we have a relationship with God through Christ. And because of that relationship, we have some guaranteed promises from God to us as his children in his word. Now, that is great news for the believer. For those of you who are, who are watching this and you're a believer in Jesus, you're saved and you know what? You know without a shadow of a doubt that you are a child of God. That's great news for you. Because no matter what happens on this earth, no matter what happens in your life, these promises are always true for you because you have a relationship with God the Father. But what if you're watching and you... You don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've been stuck at home for the last eight weeks and you're getting kind of worried and we're just looking for something to, to give you hope and stumbled upon uh, this broadcast. Or maybe one of your friends is a member of our church and they reached out and said, hey, why don't you worship church virtually with us? Or maybe you've been watching the whole time. Maybe you're even a member of our church and you've been watching and participating, but you just, you don't know if you're a child of God. You know about God. You know a little bit about the Bible. You may have been to church once or twice, but you can't say beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have a relationship with God. I want to I start the message today by letting you know that even though you don't have a relationship with God, that means these promises are not don't apply to you, there is good news because the entire story of the Bible is the story of God's love for you and God's desire and God's plan to have a relationship with you. You may not have a relationship with God, but the good news is that God, in His Word, says you can have a relationship with him. See, the Bible tells us that God created us in his image. In Genesis, when God created man, he created us in the image of God and he created us for one reason, to enjoy a love relationship with him. But then mankind sinned. 
Adam and Eve sinned. They violated the, the commands of God and sin entered into the world. And because of their sin, they were separated from God. But it wasn't just them that were separated from God. We've all been separated from God because of their sins. See, the Bible says in Romans that by one man's sin, that sin entered into the world. And because of Adam's sin, every one of us, the Bible says, are born sinners. We're born enemies of God. We're born separated from God. We are born with no hope of getting back to God. But the story of the Bible also shows that God loved us so much and God desired a relationship with us so badly that he sent his only son, Jesus, God in the flesh, to come to earth to live a perfect life Life to live a life where he never sinned one time. And he would come into the world, he would live a perfect life, and he would die on the cross. And as he died on the cross, he allowed God to place our sins on him. He died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He was buried. But three days later, he rose from the grave as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice and now mankind could be restored to God. We could have that relationship that he created us for again. And now we can turn from our sin. We can put our faith in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus to, as payment for our sins. We can be forgiven of our sins and we can be brought into a relationship with God. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what your life looks like. You can have a relationship with God today and all these promises can be for you. So before we get into the message today, I want to I give you, the person who's watching, who, who's not sure that they're saved, who's not sure that they have a relationship with God, who's not sure that these promises apply to them, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now, to confess your sin and to accept Christ as your Savior. I want to give everyone who isn't sure of their salvation a chance to make sure that they are a child of God and that they are able to claim these promises. So if that's you, I just ask that you would cry out to God now. That you in your heart or you audibly would, would cry out to God and pray to God. And you can, you can pray a prayer like this. There's no power in the prayer. The prayer is just you acknowledging to God what the Bible says and you saying that you know it to be true. So just simply cry out to God and say, say something like this. Say, God... I know I'm a sinner. I know that I am separated from you. But I know you love me. I know that you sent Jesus to do for me what I could not do. I know that Jesus came and lived a sinless life. And he died for me. I know that... Jesus rose again from the dead, and right now, I receive Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection as total payment for my sin, and I accept Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If, 
if you just cried out to God and accepted him as your savior, the Bible says that you are now a child of God. You now have a relationship with God. And that, that's great news because that means that all the promises in the Bible are yours. So if you just prayed to God and you want to talk to someone about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, my, my number's on the screen, text me. Reach out to me and I want to connect with you and praise God with you and rejoice with you and I, I want to help you as you begin this new relationship with God. Now today as we look in the scriptures, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 and for the last eight weeks we've been, we've been looking at the unchanging promises of God and today we're going to finish up that series. We're going to finish up looking at the unchanging promises of God and next week as we move completely into phase one, we're going to look at a new series, a new sermon series, looking at what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to act as we move forward with what God is doing in our world. But as we get into the final message today, I want to ask you a question. Are you worried about the things in your life? Are you worried about the circumstances that you're facing? Are you worried about what you're going through as a person, what your family is going through? Are you worried? You know, I've talked to a lot of people during these eight weeks and people are worried. They're worried they're going to get sick. They're worried they may get someone else in their family sick or they may lose a loved one to this virus who's not as healthy as them. They're worried that they won't be able to go back to work. They're worried they won't be able to pay their bills. They're worried they won't be able to put food on the table. They're worried they may lose their house. They're worried that things will never really get back to normal. And so as we, we finish this study this morning, I want to read a promise from God that can give all of us hope with that question. So get in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse number 25. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Man, that, that right there is a, is a powerful Verse, just a powerful phrase. The, the phrase there, take no thought, literally can be translated, do not worry. Can, can Jesus say it any more clearly than he just did? Do not worry. He says to all of us, do not worry. But look what he says, take no thought for your life. Jesus says, hey, don't worry about your life at all. But let's keep going. It says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Then skip down to verse number 31. He says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, that's probably a verse of Scripture, a passage of Scripture that most of us, even if we haven't been in church very long or haven't been in church at all, that a lot of people are familiar with. We, we are at least familiar with the concept that Jesus is teaching. So what is Jesus really saying here? Jesus is saying, don't worry about your life. That's, that's what the lost world does. That's what the unsaved people do. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will, will take care of itself. Each day you live has enough trouble of its own that you don't need to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. So as we finish this series this morning, I want to ask three questions. And here's the first question. Why do we worry? Why do we worry? You know, all of us deal with worry. And most of us understand that worry doesn't really do any good. No one has ever changed anything by worrying about it. So why do we do it? Why do we worry? There, there are two words here that Jesus used to help answer that question. Why do we worry? And the first word is the word thought. It's the Greek word mereno. And it means to be anxious or troubled. To be, it literally means to be pulled in different directions. So that word, what he's talking about, that worry, that anxiety, it is our mind being pulled apart by something. And Jesus tells us that that something that we worry about is life. Now the word life here, when he says take no thought for your life, the word life literally means breath. It's the image that we get in Genesis when God breathed the breath of life into Adam and we became a living being. So this word here, it speaks to the state of being alive. We worry because the experiences and the situations of life cause us to be mentally and, phys and physically and emotionally pulled apart that leads us with worry and anxiety. But Jesus says, don't do that. Don't worry. As followers of Christ, that is not how we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live pulled apart and worried and anxious about things. Now, we're not, that doesn't mean that we're immune from difficulty. We will all face difficulty. We are in it as a society right now. But when we do face difficulty, it means that we see it differently because of the promises of God. Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't care about the circumstances of life. He's not saying, don't worry, be happy. He's not quoting the Lion King, and saying, Hakuna Matata, it means no worries. He's not saying that we aren't going to have any cares at all. He is telling us that the cares of life are to be understood and viewed through the lens of our relationship with Him. Here's what Albert Barnes says about this verse. He says, this statement does not mean that we are to exercise no care about worldly matters. No care to preserve our property or to provide for our families, 
but that there is such confidence in God as to free the mind of anxiety and such a sense of dependence on him to keep it calm. All of us experience genuine concern. It's, it's part of living. It's part of life. But Jesus isn't talking about genuine concern. He's talking about worry. See, worry is fearful concern. And that's, that's what we experience when, when life's cares and life's problems seem greater than our ability to deal with them. There are some demands in our life right now that seem bigger than our ability to meet them. And if we're not careful, we'll fall into the trap of fearful concern. Now, there's a difference between fearful concern and genuine concern. And here's what they are. See, genuine concern is a burden. It expresses itself on the independence on God. It asks the question, what will God do? We have demands in our life sometimes that are beyond our control in our, in our jobs, with our health, with our finances, with our, our relationships. And when, we, and when we face those, we are to run to God and wonder and anticipate what He will do. See, genuine concern results in a spirit of expectation because we know the promises of God. It may look like it'll turn out bad, but we have a promise that God is doing something and it is for my absolute best. So we don't worry about what we're going to do, but we go to God and say, God, what are you doing? And we expect what God's going to do. But then there's also fearful concern. Now, fearful concern is a worry. It expresses itself Independence on self. It asks the question, what am I going to do? Instead of running to God and asking what He will do, we start to depend on ourselves to fix everything, and, and that causes worry. And that type of worry will always, always, always cause anxiety. So why do we worry? Because we rely on ourselves. That brings us to a second question. Why should we not worry? I mean, we have, we have situations in life. We have problems we face. We have sicknesses, illnesses. We have those things that the Bible even acknowledges will cause us concern. So why, why shouldn't we worry? Well, Jesus gives three reasons in this passage. Now, there's a lot more than three. Throughout Scripture, there's a lot more than three reasons why we shouldn't worry. But Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, gives us three, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So, why should we not worry? Well, the first reason is, our God commands us not to worry. See, for the child of God, for the believer, the bot, that's the bottom line. That's all we need. God said, don't do it. And Jesus didn't just say it one time. He said, don't worry 
three times. In verse 21, he said, don't worry about your life. Now that's speaking generally about everything we face on a day-to-day basis. In verse 31, he says, don't worry about your needs. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your drink. Don't worry about your shelter. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about those things. And then in verse 34, he says, don't worry about the future. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your needs. Don't worry about your future. Don't worry about your past. Don't worry about your present. Jesus said, do not worry. To worry is to step outside of the boundaries that God has set for our life. To worry is sin. When God draws a line and says, don't do something, don't worry. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't lust. When, when he draws a line and says, don't do something, he is telling us not to do it so we don't hurt ourselves. Whenever he tells us to do something, to walk with him, to be faithful to his house, to be faithful to give to his work, he is telling us to do something that will help us. So when God says don't worry, it's not because he's trying to rob us of all the joy and pleasure that we get from worry. He knows that worry is destructive. Look what John MacArthur said about worry. The English term worry comes from an old German word meaning to strangle or choke. That is exactly what worry does. It is a kind of emotional and mental strangulation which probably causes more mental and physical afflictions than any other single cause. No wonder God said don't worry. It's dangerous. It, it will destroy us. It will make us sick. In fact, it's not just a preacher that says it will make us sick. Health doctors say it will make us sick. Dr. Charles Mayo was one of the founding doctors of the Mayo Clinic. And here's what he said. Worry affects the circulation, the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system, and profoundly affects health. I have not known anyone who died of overwork, but I know many who have died of worry. Worry is damaging and God said, don't do it. Now, that's, that's the best reason. But there's other reasons Jesus gives us. Not only because God said not to, but our God knows what we need. Did you see what Jesus said in verse number 32? He says, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you need all these things. The word knoweth there means to know intuitively. God already knows what you need before you need it. He knows what you need before you tell him. He knows what you need today. He knows what you need tomorrow. He knows what you need next week and next month and next year. He knows every need in your life. And he doesn't know because you told him. He knows because he is God. So whatever you're worried about, God knows your need. God knows what you need in that situation. And when you worry about it, it shows that you have an improper view of God. It shows you have no faith in God. 
When worry is looming large in my life, it's because my view of God is too small. If we really realized how big God is, that, that this big, sovereign God knows our needs, then it will remove all of our worry. So why should we not worry? Because God says so. Because God knows what you need. And number three, because our God promises to provide what we need. You know, it's one thing to know you have a need, but it's another to guarantee that he will meet that need. And that is exactly what he does. Look at verse 33. It says, and all these things shall be added unto you. These things are what he's been talking about in the previous verses. Your, your needs in your life, your, your food, your shelter, your clothing. And to prove this point, he uses the birds of the field and the, the flowers of the field to, to prove what, that he takes care of. Because look, the birds, man, they don't do anything for me. They don't serve me. They don't build my kingdom, but I feed them. They look at the flowers of the field. They don't, they, don't, they don't worship me. They don't praise me, but I clothe them. And if I take care of them, how much more am I going to take care of you? God will meet your needs. He will take care of us. Jesus says that all those things we worried about, God will take care of. Now, the word all there, it means every single need in our life. But he also says it will be added to us. Now, the word added there means to provide. Very simply, God promises to provide for every need we have. God promises to meet every single need that you could ever have, period. So what are we worried about? Every need we will be met by God. And that's not the only place that God makes this promise. And Philippians, Paul, who through his life and ministry, he had seen God fulfill this promise time and time again. He teaches this to the church at Philippi. He says in Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I'm thankful for that promise. But that promise is a unique promise in Scripture. It's what we call a conditional promise. Look back at Matthew 633. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, if you study the book of Philippians, he gives the same condition to the church at Philippi. He was writing to them because they were struggling seeking God's kingdom. He's talking to them about seeking God's kingdom through giving to missions. And he goes, if you're faithful to give to God and you're faithful to seek his kingdom, then God will meet all your needs. So this, this promise here is not a blank check for the believer. So that brings us to the last question. How do I have a worry-free life? There's a command that we have to obey that when we obey that command, Jesus says, you obey that command and I will keep my promise. And Jesus said the command in two words, seek first. The word seek there means to seek earnestly or intently, to strive after, to seek 
in order to find or to live your life dedicated to something. It describes the consuming passion of someone's life. And then seek ye first. The word first means above all else. Before anything else. It, it gives us the, the idea that whatever we're seeking should have the preeminence in our life. It should be the most important thing to us in our life. So if we want to claim this, this promise to live a worry-free life, we have to make sure that we are putting something that, that is, we are putting something as the passion of our life. And what is that something? Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now his righteousness, it, it describes who he is. His kingdom describes what he's doing in this world. There is a king and a kingdom to be pursued. And Jesus says that if, if we make him and what he is doing in the world the consuming passion of our life, he'll take care of everything else. You know, we think we have to care for ourselves first. But Jesus says if we seek him first and what he is doing in the world first, if we, we put him and his kingdom first, then he'll take care of everything else. Now, if you've been a believer for any amount of time, you know in your heart whether you're doing this or not. Is he the first person you want to talk to in the morning? Is he the first person you obey when he asks you to do something, even if it's, if it's uncomfortable? Is his kingdom the first thing you give to financially when you get paid or is his kingdom the last thing you give to if you give to it at all because you have nothing left over? So here's a question we all have to ask for ourselves. Is Jesus and his mission the most important thing in your life? I want to help us try to figure that out. So I just want you to, wherever you're at, I want you to bow your head right now. And I want you to ask God to speak to you. I want you to ask God to reveal to you whether or not you are seeking His kingdom and His righteousness above all else. So what does seeking God and His kingdom look like? Well, first of all, it's a heart issue. Is your heart pursuing Jesus and His kingdom above everything else. Before you are anything else, are you a kingdom seeker? Is your heart passionate about walking with God and talking with God and serving God? Is the love of your life Jesus? And if it's not, surrender your heart to Him and His kingdom. But it's not just a heart issue. It's also a hand issue. When you look at your schedule, does it show a priority to the king and his kingdom? We've got Bible studies scheduled throughout the week now. We've got them on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and Thursday night. We did that to, to help your schedule, but have you looked at those and thought, I just don't want to give up another night. I gotta, I'd rather, I'm tired, I'd rather stay home and watch TV, I'd rather go out. 
when we finally open up completely, or even next week with phase one, you're young, you're healthy. Do you, do you want to come back and worship at church or have you grown comfortable worshiping at home? When you look at your, your talents that God has given you, are you using them to pursue Him and His kingdom? You know, God's given a lot, some of you talents in music or in organization or in greeting or in hospitality and God's given you those gifts and you're using them for you, but you're not using them for Him. Are you using your time and your talents for God? What about your treasure? I know we're in, we're in some economical, difficult times right now. But God commands us to seek Him first in His kingdom. Which means when, when we get our paycheck, the first thing we should do is give to God's work. Give to His work and He will take care of the rest. He promised us. You know why a lot of you are struggling financially? Because you don't give to the kingdom of God. You think you can't afford to. Here's the fact, you can't afford not to give to God. If you are worried today, there's a reason. So search your heart and make sure you're seeking Him first. And if you are, then you have no reason to worry. But if you aren't, get right with Him. Put Him and His kingdom in the proper place rest on his promises. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you so much for these promises that you've given us. Lord, not just the ones we've looked at these last eight weeks, but Lord, every single promise contained in this Bible, this word of God that you've given to us. Now, Lord, I know that during this time, a lot of us are worrying about a lot of things. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not worry. You've commanded us not to. You're in control and we should trust you. So God, help us to make sure that in every area of our life, we're seeking you and your kingdom first. And then help us to rest in the promise that you'll take care of everything. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Again, we'll be back at our our 11 o'clock worship service schedule next Sunday morning. We will not have a pre-recorded message on Facebook or YouTube. We will be live streaming on Facebook. So if you still uh, can't come out or are uncomfortable coming out, you can still watch and worship with us. But keep that in mind that we're going live next week, not pre-recorded. But again, thanks so much for worshiping with us. Let's have a blessed day today.